It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Obviously, Sunny Gray, you Darvish. I'll be watching that. I feel like I've. Uh, when I do my news shifts on Roto World, I feel like half of them right now about Sonny Gray or you Darvish, whether they're going to be traded or not, which teams are interested. Uh, so definitely tracking those guys as much as possible. Forever, a Baseball Prospectus Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, George Bissell. I'm a writer at Baseball Prospectus, and I'm joined by my usual co-host, Mike Gianella of the BP Fantasy Team. You can read both of us at BaseballProspectus.com. Subscribe today with a one-year premium membership to read all of our content. If you want, you can follow us on Twitter. That's the best way to get in touch with us. Mike is at Mike Gianella. I am at George Bissell. And to wrap up the housekeeping, uh, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio App, or wherever you get the podcast. You know, if you love this show and you want to support us, that's the best way to do it. It's free. We do it pretty much every week, sometimes multiple shows a week. So that's the, the best way you could show your support for the podcast. So, Mike, what's going on? We've had a lot of interesting developments here, and we're going to get to a lot of them. What a week so far. Yeah, I, I can't say this is the most exciting trade deadline that we've seen, but it, it's been a better one than I would have expected. I, I think a lot of people thought that it would be a quiet deadline or there wouldn't be a lot of movement and already we've had some trades and, and twists and turns we haven't expected right what's weird about it is it's kind of staggered we already had the Quintana deal and JD Martinez it feels like we're waiting for Sonny Gray to move but um, maybe you Darvish gets dealt and uh, we'll see so a lot to talk about on this show we've got some injuries some call-ups and to help us do all of that our guest this week we were talking before the show. It feels like we've been trying to get him on forever, so we're, we're glad to finally have him. He's a senior baseball writer for NBC Sports and Roto World. You can follow him on Twitter, at DJ Short. He hosts a weekly chat on Tuesdays, which wrapped up earlier today. DJ, how you doing, man? It's great to have you on the What's show. Up? What's up, guys? Glad I could finally come on the show. It feels <laughs> like it's been a really long time we've been trying to make this work. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, we're uh, we're excited to have you. There's there's literally so much going on. We've got trades, we've got injuries, prospects, and uh, w- you're the right guy to call on to to do this to break all of it down. So we're excited. To I have hope you. so. <laughs> Good to be here. So hey, let's uh, dive into some current events. Uh, probably Clayton Kershaw, I think, is where we need to start. He went just two innings on his start on Sunday. Uh, he's out with a back injury now. was put on the disabled list. He's expected to miss the next four to six weeks. And obviously there's there's a lot of implications for redraft leagues for the rest of this season. But my focus is looking more a little bit towards next year, DJ. And you know, as someone who has to evaluate Kershaw's 2018 um, fantasy stock, I mean, what do you do with Kershaw? Because this is now two years in a row that he's suffered a pretty significant back injury. How much does this concern you going forward? Yeah, it's it's definitely built into the back of your mind. But I also think, you know, if, even if you say, you know, when you draft him that you expect maybe he's going to miss four to six weeks at some point, he's going to have a DL stint. That production that you get even in three or four months could be better than what most of the pitchers. So, I mean, you know, I don't think it would really ding things too much depending on how he bounces back from this. I know they're saying four to six weeks right now. Uh, I don't know if that's too optimistic. I don't know if they're just saying that because they have such a huge lead in the NL West um, and they can afford to be conservative. But as of right now, let's just see how things go. Uh, Hopefully it's not as serious as last year. That seems to be the case. Um, So you know, I'm optimistic right now that he's going to be fine for the postseason. You know, and if he finishes the season strong, I think I'll still feel pretty good about him next year. So, Mike, obviously, all pitchers are just inherently risky. But when you look at Kershaw, I don't think is there any way you can slide him behind anyone besides you know Chris Sale, Max Scherzer. If you want to put Corey Kluber ahead of him, uh, I totally understand that, but. Um, realistically, how far down do you think this drops his 2018 value? When you look at the starting pitcher landscape, this has sort of been a recurring topic for us on the show, but how far are you sliding him down a little bit in your mind, at least at this point? For 2018, I, I, I agree with DJ. I, I don't see how even that shares are sure mm. sale. Maybe beyond that, how do you move him down? Like it, it it's kind of like DJ said, you're so right now he's 141 to third innings. He pitched 149 last year, you know, 204 this year to a 169 last year. But you're still talking about an elite special pitcher. And and he could come back this year to DJ's point and throw another like 20, 30 innings. So I, I have a hard time moving Kershaw down. You know, this hurts you more in an only league where you're going to lose innings and you have to replace them with somebody. You're going to fall behind in wins and strikeouts. You know, in a mixer, you kind of look at it like, well, I'm getting all these great innings from him and the replacement level guy is not quite as as bad. Hmm. I'm still drafting Kershaw probably middle to the back of the first round in 2018. I should should also add here. It feels like there's been a real drop-off from the top-tier starting pitchers this year. Jacob deGrom's turned things on recently, Corey Kluber as well. But, you know, there's a real drop-off after those guys. So I think you're going to want someone who's really dependable. We know, I mean, Clayton Kershaw is amazing. We know that. I think you'd rather take your chance on someone like him. And if he does end up missing time, you know, so be it. But you really want that guy that if he's healthy, we know he's elite. Yeah, I just think that's a discussion that we're going to have numerous times during the offseason. So uh, nice to, to get out in front of it a little bit here. Let's talk about two prospects who were called up within the last week or so. The big one is Yohan Moncada. I mean, pretty much the consensus number one 
prospect in the game we we sort of know dj what the upside is with mancata you know he has the potential to be a five category guy but with all this the contact issues in his profile right now how much of an impact do you see him making the rest of the season well i think the priority for the white Sox should be to play him as much as possible so uh, I'm not really worried about the playing time if he if he does struggle. I think his biggest impact this year might be in stolen bases. I think he could make a huge difference in that category. Uh, as you said, the approach, you know, does worry me a little bit. The strikeout percentage. Um, so I'm not sure about the batting average right away, but uh, stolen bases will be there, and I think the playing time will be there as well with the rebuilding team. Who, you know, I think they're really going to be focused on getting him playing time, playing him near the top of the lineup, uh, that sort of thing. So. I, I feel pretty good about him, but I also think that, you know, maybe as this tends to happen with top prospects coming up to the majors, we love our shiny new toys might be a little bit overrated at the start. Um, but I should also say I'm going to miss people asking me when he's going to be called up. <laughs> I feel like that's followed me all year long. Yeah, that that's not a fun topic. I'm sure you get those every week <laughs> in your chat. So uh, yes, it's a relief to finally have that uh, that era in White Sox history over. Um, Mike, as far as Mankata goes in, in redraft leagues, obviously, if you, you don't have him already, you missed your window. But he strikes me as a guy who might have a sort of a prolonged adjustment period because of all the contact issues in his profile. I feel like I, I've soured on him a little bit because he spent so much time at AAA and didn't really make a dent in solving those issues that to me is a little bit concern uh concerning am i making too much of that what are your thoughts on yohan Moncada? because i I think he's a really polarizing prospect at this point now i i I think you might be making a little bit too much of it what i don't really get and you know to be fair you you weren't here for these discussions but you know javi Baez was a player who who struck out uh a lot more than Mankata. And, you know, I, I know comps are bad. I'm not making the comp, but th- there was more positivity surrounding Baez and, and excitement about his profile in, in terms of strikeouts, at least. You know, I look at Mankata, he struck out 28% of the time in, in AAA. He struck out 31% in, in 2016. I, I'm not suggesting that's good, but but in this context where so many players are striking out and it's more acceptable and, you know, p- players are, are not discouraged from striking out like they were even like 30 years ago. It, it's a concern to me if it leads to poor contact, but the strikeouts in and of themselves are, are not a cause for alarm. You know, his BABIP in the minors, you know, was, you know, going backwards is 379, 373, 395. He, he's making quality contact when he's hitting the ball. Uh, yeah, he could hit 240, maybe even 230. He'll eventually be fine. I, I I really see a player here who is is going to be special. Yeah, I, I mean Chris Bryant struck out a lot too in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and he corrected those issues very quickly. So it's a really complicated discussion to have. Um, but I think we all sort of see Mankata as a um, you know a pretty special prospect guy who can kind of do it all and and really make an impact here. So yeah, uh, a lot to be excited about with Yohan Mankata. Rafael Devers is the other prospect who got called up. Called up by the Red Sox this week, making his first start tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday night, so he'll square off with Felix Hernandez in about an hour or so. So um, not exactly an easy assignment right out of the gate. But, DJ, I think the big question with Devers is not so much the talent, it's the playing time, right? I mean, are they going to play him every day at third base? 
How do you envision the Red Sox using him the rest of the season? Well, I think they kind of just want to get a look at him right now. I mean, we're, you know, basically a week week uh, out in front of the trade deadline here. So uh, I think they want to get a look at look at him, see what they have, um, you know, before the deadline, uh, see if they think he's ready. Obviously, it's a really small sample. So, uh, you know, it could be easy to overreact if he has a really strong uh, start here. Um, but I think they want to get a look at him, see what he can do. Keep in mind, he's only 20 years old. So, uh, you know, he's made some really quick progress in the minors. Uh, I think he's a really solid uh, option for the long term. But uh, in the short term, I'm sort of wait and see with him uh, in standard mixed leagues. And also because I'm just not sure about that playing time, as you mentioned. You know, are they going to sit him against left-handed pitching? Uh, are they going to pick up somebody at the trade deadline? Maybe somebody who's more of like a utility player they can move around, that sort of thing. So I'm not sure he's going to be an everyday guy necessarily. The other variable, too, is, is how much is Hanley Ramirez able to play first base is he physically mm. able to go out and do it because then that opens up the dh spot too for additional at bats so mm. yeah i the red sox have been aggressive with their prospects you know devers was a guy who had exactly zero plate appearances above high a coming into the year so yeah really a, a meteoric rise for him but mike ben carsley wrote the call up which is up at bp right now and, and devers is a guy i think we expect him to be able to hit um but how much of an actual fantasy impact should mixed league owners expect the rest of the year? Yeah, this segues very nicely into my fab column, and and I kind of wrote about this. So if you agree with what Ben wrote in terms of anticipated production this year, which is about a 270 batting average, a 15 to 20 home run pace, that sounds really good. And and four or five years ago, you, you would have been elated for that. But if you look at how many corner infielders are on pace to hit 20 home runs, there's 47 corner infielders right now they're going to do that. Now, some of them are going to slot in at second base or another position. But even if you take like those four or five guys out, you know, I I made this comp in terms of the stats. Devers, if he does that, will be be, uh, Yuli Grail without the batting average. Or without quite as much batting average. And this isn't a knock, because as DJ points out, he's 20 years old. In real life, if Devers does that, if he hits 270 on a 20 home run pace, that that's great. And, and it's that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's a sign of a, of a, if not a superstar, like a, a future, like top tier player. For fantasy this year, in, in the context of what everyone else is doing, that makes him borderline in a 15 team mix like Labor or, you know, like the league DJs in uh, the, the top mix draft. So I, I really like Devers' future potential. But outside of like a really deep mix or an only, his impact might not be as much as something. And the other thing Ben pointed out to me, Devers didn't run this year. And, you know, Ben, we were exchanging DMs on Twitter. You know, he he used the term big boy when it comes to Devers. Uh, <laughs> he, he ran in the low, low minors. He, he's not going to run for the Red Sox. And that has an impact, too. Like with, with steals are, are so important. And if Devers doesn't run or gets the occasional odd steal, you know, not quite as much value as a guy who hits 20 home runs and maybe steals 5 to 10. Yeah, he is a hashtag beefy boy, as we like to call him <laughs> on the, the Tino podcast. Uh, but he, he, This sort of ties back into the point about, Mike, I thought you brought up a great point with league context, right? Understanding the current fantasy landscape. W- what makes Moncada a much more attractive fantasy prospect doesn't matter what his, his strikeout rate is if he's stealing bases just because there aren't really – a lot of guys who are doing that. I think coming in at tonight, there were like 20 guys who have double-digit home runs and steals. So 
it's just such a unique sort of profile and Devers while he may be a better hitter right now it's maybe less impactful given the depth at third base um DJ do you sort of agree with that as well I think we talked a lot about this at first base too where there's just been such an influx of of corner infield talent that it's almost like Devers no matter what he does I just don't know if he's going to be that usable in shallow league yeah I mean maybe the best way to put it he's just not going to stand out at the position um and sort of at this point in the season you're looking for math basically that's what you want you want the numbers um so don't get too attached to yeah he's a top prospect we all know that he's probably gonna be really good in the long run but you want the numbers um so that's what i would be focusing on and in the context of the rest of the league he just might not stand out this year but definitely really exciting for the long term so I'm not going to subject you both to uh, Trevor Cahill talk because I could go for the next half hour about uh, Trevor Cahill. Big fan over here. Um, but let's uh, let's transition here to the Mike's Expert Fab call. And we talked a little about Raphael Devers who went for $201 in tout mixed. And DJ, that's the league you play in. And uh, it's your first year in the league, right? Uh, that's right. Yeah, I'm in the Tout Wars mixed league draft. Yeah, so, yeah there's two. How's... There's two Tout leagues. There, there's the mixed auction and, and the mixed draft. So so DJ's in the one that does a straight draft, and it's it's an online league. It's not an in person one. Right. You got to get into the in person auctions. Those are intense. Um... Someday, hopefully. <laughs> yes, exactly. So how how are you enjoying it so far? I guess would be my lead off question. Talk about that. Um, I've really enjoyed it, actually. I've wanted to do it for a really long time. I think, you know, there was an adjustment about the the on-base percentage format. Um, and I went really heavy with on-base percentage in the actual draft and then realized I was really short on power. Um, I had guys like DJ LeMayhew and Christian Yellick. Um, I've since traded each of them. Um, and I got Chris Davis and Robinson Cano in separate deals. So I've sort of balanced my roster a little bit more offensively. Um, I'm currently in third place. Um, feel feel pretty good about it. Um, I'm struggling on the starting pitcher side from a wins perspective. Uh, I think you Darvish hasn't won in like two months, so uh, that's really hurting me. But uh, I feel pretty good about pretty good about my team. I have James Paxton. He's been great since coming off the DL. Big Maple. Oh, uh, big fan. George is a George is a huge Paxton fan. I, I know he is. I know. So I wanted to mention that. And did you did you notice? Uh, last night that they now have something called the Maple Grove uh, in Seattle. <laughs> they literally is... have trees in the out- yes. outfield bleachers now. It's pretty it's, wild. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there had been sort of a little adjustment with the on-base percentage, you know, just to think about it from that perspective. Um, and just also just sort of the whole bidding process, I think, was a little confusing for me at first. Uh, as far as the waiver process. So it took me like one or two weeks to like figure out how I wanted to do that strategy wise. But um, since I figured that out, uh, I've turned things around and feel you know pretty good about how I'm doing. Can I ask, so so most leagues you're, well, do you use FAB in most of your leagues or is it a straight waiver process or, or a combination? Uh, it's a combination, uh, but I'd say the great majority are sort of like a free-for-all waiver wire situation. Okay. Yeah, because the, the tout is unique in that it's a $1,000 FAB. Like I, I play mostly FAB, but it's 100 and mm-hmm. you know the variant is like some leagues, like like Labor AL, there, there are no $0 bids. Uh, some leagues there are zero dollar bids like that's probably the big variant. So, yeah, the thousand dollars kind of changes things because what, what I have found in tout since they switched to that, 
you want to go early with your big bids because it's kind of the whole idea, and especially in a mix, because it's kind of the whole idea of like, well, if I get a guy in April who's going to have a big impact for like, you know, three or $400 as opposed to waiting and waiting and waiting, and then in August I get a guy who has a big impact, it makes such a difference. Right. I remember, I think it was the first uh, week of the se- first week of bidding. Uh, I really wanted Charlie Morton. And I messed up my bid somehow and it didn't go through. And I was just devastated because I was buying into the Charlie Morton hype during spring training. Um, and he's had a pretty decent year, but, you know, I, I managed to move on and I was okay from that. But uh, yeah, just the mechanics of actually putting the bid through, like I somehow messed that up early on in the season. So I had to like figure out that kind of stuff. But um, but luckily I didn't miss out on anybody huge. I think I think Bellinger might have been available at some point. So, you know, that's definitely a regret. But for the most part, I feel like the waivers, I think I've done pretty well with those. So I looked it up. You Darvish has not won since June 12th at Houston. There you go. <laughs> which is yeah. pretty wild. That's like seven starts. Uh, which well, is he, could, he couldn't end up with the Dodgers, and I would love that, actually. That would be good. By the way, Charlie Morton, seven shutout innings with nine strikeouts tonight. Uh, so <laughs> okay, maybe, I do have, maybe I do have some regret. <laughs> I don't know. That's his first good start in a little while here. So, um, All right, Mike, uh, who did we want to talk about in the, the um, mixed portion of the, the Fab Review? Because there are just so many different types of players. Uh, like you was, have it, Noah Syndergaard in here, week. Jason Hamill. Like what? What is happening here? Well, you know, outside of Devers, there's probably not a lot to talk about. It, it was a pretty quiet week, and I was pretty negative about most of these guys. You know, it was Zach Davies, who actually had a really good outing tonight against the Nationals. I, I was down on. I, I, I just wasn't feeling him, and, you know, some of it is that pitchers like that, and I mentioned about Jason Hamill later. You know, pitchers who have such a fine line in, in terms of their – velocity and, and their command and in Davies's case he needs a change up to thrive if something goes a little bit wrong it, it, it just all goes south whereas a guy who has velocity you can tend to trust a little bit more and you know maybe Davies will turn it around but I, I just don't have faith in him you know the Syndergaard bid and you know DJ we talk about this a lot on the show uh, you can't speculate you can't make spec bids in the labor leagues on on minor leaguers or, or players on the DL and you can do it in tout right and I find that strategy and tout really interesting. And I think, I believe this was Fred Zinke, who, is this the first time you've played against Fred, DJ? Um, I, I play with him in the in the Yahoo Friends and Family League this You're year. But it's a, that's right. Yeah, but I, that's, I think that's his first year in that format as well. So I have gotten a few trade offers from him, I he's, should say. He's probably, it, it, it's a battle between him and, and Tristan Cockroft, but but Fred is maybe the toughest player I've I've played against. Like he, he's really, really good. And, and, and part, of, part of where he's good is in season. Like between the trades and, and, and the pickups, he, he's just relentless. Uh, he, mm-hmm. he just never like he grinds and uh, you know the biggest thing for me with, with a lot of these leagues is when you're in so many of them sometimes you lose a week or something's going on and, and you know maybe you miss a move he just never misses a trick and, and that Syndergaard move for for twenty dollars that's awesome uh, could be the best move of the week like like if, if Syndergaard does nothing and he doesn't come back and you know he's a Met so he probably you know won't come back because you know, <laughs> when you're a Met you're a Met all your life you know you're hurt from the day that you're born until you die but. Like like Syndergaard is just somebody who if he pitches like for four weeks and he's even near the level he was at that that's a win. 
That's pretty stunning. I, I don't know if that's just a matter of just his due diligence of paying attention um, that he was able to get him for that. And there were no other bids, at least according to what I can see here. Oh. Um, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, that's just a great lottery ticket. I know this week, I believe he has to have him on his yeah. active roster. So you you lose that a little bit. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that's really not a big deal. Um, I, I love that bid. That's yeah, that's it's great. it's a little bit tougher in, in mix than it is at an only to, to carry those zeros for a week. But I, mm-hmm. I agree. It's still a very savvy move. But yeah. uh, George, answer your question. You know, as far as a lot of these other bids, you know, Ben Revere is just kind of a straight steals move. I, I was fairly negative about Jason Hayward. I, I really, I, I, I see Cub fans on Twitter. I know I have some listeners and fo- followers here who listen to the show. I, I'm really sorry. I, I really like Jason Hayward a, a, as a person. You know, I think he's he's a great guy, but it's just not working out offensively for for the Cubs. Like he he's been really bad now for a year and a half. Yeah, um, I want to tie back into something that uh, you guys mentioned a little while ago about you know paying attention to not only your roster but what everyone else is doing. I found that some of, at least in my own experience, some of my most valuable moves I've made, uh, whether it's the you know fab or trades, uh, mostly through um, free agent waiver wire claims, is when another owner drops somebody. That's a, a, a viable option you know what i mean um i sure. think you always have to be on the lookout because certain owners have different tolerance levels for production and you know a guy like Whit merrifield may go on the slide for two weeks and he gets dropped and you know maybe he's a guy who can help your roster so um those are the, the things i'd always advise for everyone listening to this podcast who's not you know not playing an expert league is you have to always be paying attention to who is available and you just never know what's going to happen so i i found that to be extremely valuable i mean in your experience what are some of, is that one of the biggest things for you that you've noticed as well that um you have to really pay attention to what the rest of your league is doing not just your own roster yeah i mean i actually noticed uh this year, actually, in this league, um, someone, I believe, dropped Justin Smoke yeah. uh, maybe the first or second week of the season. And someone was savvy enough to be like, hey, you know, I'm seeing some trends here that I like and was able to pick him up for really a reasonable price. Uh, I did a similar thing with Josh Harrison was dropped one week for, you know, up, maybe a temporary upgrade somewhere. I took note that he was dropped that week. I made sure to pick him up the next week. Um, he's he's fallen off a bit recently, but gave me a little boost temporarily. So, yeah, those are those are prime situations to to really watch the 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 moves in your league, see who's being dropped, anticipate. Um, these are all things that can make a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, two guys on the pitching side I noticed a lot: Brad Peacock and Zach Godley. I think at one point Godley got demoted um, just because of our, a numbers crunch in Arizona, right. so he got cut in a ton of places, and he's been really incredible this year and brad peacock's had some real up and down starts and uh his role's kind of up in the air so he's a guy who may have been out there at a certain period so uh, yeah always always be uh paying attention and, and speculating as uh as i like to say um so mike was there anybody i mean jabari blash here um great names on this chris Smith, uh alex meyer went on the dl I don't think there's anybody in the mix that we need to, to talk about. Do we? No, we, we, we get to the point in the mix, and, and DJ, correct me if I'm wrong, but, I, I, you know, it's a redraft, so you, you start to see some teams, you know, and, and this is one of the, I've said this before, it's one of the dirty secrets about mixed league or about expert leagues. People fall off, and, and you know, you think that happens in your home league, but 
even in the expert leagues, people start to fall off and, and there isn't as much movement. And it's a good opportunity to kind of sit back and, and be like, well, I don't need to spend all my fab on, on somebody. I, I can actually be conservative. You know, I, I know you bought a, I think you bought Gerardo Parra this week, right, DJ? I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I, I think I knew that he hurt his calf or something like that, but I didn't really pay super close attention. I put an $85 bid on him. Um, I just thought he'd be an upgrade over Robbie Grossman, who gives you on base percentage, but really not much else. Um, waiting for Steven Piscotti to come off the DL. Uh, so I just thought temporarily I'll put him in there. I can obviously put him in reserve eventually. I know there's sort of a time crunch in that outfield in Colorado, but uh, you look at the way he's been swinging the bat this year, plays half his games in Coors Field. Thought as well worth taking a shot on him. Yeah, and and somebody I don't know if it was Troy Troy Rennick or, or one of the you know Rockies beats reported that Desmond's calf is bothering him again. So huh. that that might turn out to be a really good move for you. Interesting. Huh. Also, yeah. Also, it doesn't sound like David Dahl is coming up uh, anytime soon. At least that's true. Coming, coming yeah, that's an injury. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, I thought he was going to be really good coming into the year, and then uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's unfortunate. Um. So here in, in the onlys, um, you know, there's not a lot to say with JD Martinez. Mike, walk walk us through the the process here for, um, who won the bid, how you know what the strategies were, and um, who else are we expecting to come over here? So how is this uh, shaking out? I know there's a lot to unpack with that, but um, walk us through the the Tau NL landscape real quick here, because I think it's fascinating. Well, so so what's kind of interesting about this? So Derek Cardi won out on on Martinez, and I, I I won Quintana last week. I had the most fab, and I, I made a tactical move. I I cut Juris Familia after he was hurt because you can reclaim the injury money, and, and the calculation I made was that I'll get a better player for him with guaranteed health, you know, around the trade deadline. So I essentially traded Familia for Quintana. And the certainty of Quintana. So I, I'm not going to win. My my team has tanked. I I've had more injuries in this league than I think any league I've been in. Maybe it's a close second. I, I think I'm up to 12 or 13 players of my original 23 actives who have been on the DL at one point. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. <laughs> so nevertheless, you know, in terms of the strategy though, it, it worked out. So Derek Cardi could have bid on Quintana. He had more money. But he was—he has all these pitching points. He did have Kershaw. You know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. He—he he didn't realize that you know Kershaw would get hurt, so he waited for the hitter, and it paid off for him. And that JD Martin, JD Martinez came over, and he outbid Tristan Cockroft, who had the second highest amount of money. Now Tout NL at this point is realistically a two-team race. Uh, it's Gray Albright, who's way up, a, a friend of the podcast, who's way up with 107 points. And Tristan's second with 93, but, you know, he could catch him, you know, given the, the vagaries of five by five. In terms of other players coming over, it, it's tough because, you know, remember when a couple months ago, the conventional wisdom was that all the talent was going to go over to the American League. Mm-hmm. The, the thinking was that there were so many teams out of it. Uh, there, there weren't a lot of contenders in the NL. The races were pretty settled. So with the exception of six or seven teams – all the trades would be NL to AL. But almost every big trade we've seen so far has been the other way. And there's it's still possible. I, there was a rumor tonight that Sonny Gray and Yonder Alonso could be going to the Yankees, so that wouldn't change anything. 
but there's still some players on, on the non-contending AL teams that could move. And, and meanwhile, the biggest move so far, and he wasn't reflected this week as it happened after Sunday, was Trevor Cahill. It's always the thing about Fab. It's generally not a good idea to hang on to your, your bankroll in an only because you just never know what's going to happen. Like it, it, I brought this up, this old example to George, DJ. Um, remember the year that Adrian Gonzalez was traded to the Red Sox, that big blockbuster? Right, in August. Yeah, and, and that was, I believe that was 2012. I, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I don't have like total recall for. It sounds about right five or six years ago, but Steve Gardner that year of of USA Today was sitting on a pile of fab. And, you know, part of it was, you know, he had a lot of injuries. His team was in decent shape. And the player who came over, do you remember, DJ, the player who came over right before the deadline from the AL to the NL? Do you remember who the big player was at the trade deadline? I I don't off the top of my head. No. George George won't because he's young and, you know, he was probably. Wasn't it like Matt Holliday? I feel like it was Matt Holliday. Someone like that. Well, it it was a trick question. The the oh. big player was Travis Snyder. <laughs> Gross. So Steve, so Steve, like you know, was sitting there and and he just threw a big bundle of money on Travis Snyder. He's like, well, like you know, I, I gotta get somebody. And then two, you know, two and a half weeks later, and it was 2012, by the way. Two and a half weeks weeks later, there was this big blockbuster, and wherever the second highest amount of fab. Because no one came over. It was like Snyder and nobody else. So whoever the second highest amount of fab got Gonzalez, and then like a third person, you know, got, I think there was like another player, you know, and Steve's sitting there like, you know, what the F? But, you know, the lesson here is that it's really difficult to, like, if you've been sitting on the fab and in, in tout in the AL or NL, there's just no guarantees. And, and Derek and I got kind of lucky and that some good players came over, but it's entirely possible that I could have wound up sitting on a pile of cash the best time to send a pile of cash is if you are in first or second or maybe third and have a really good team and don't have a lot of holes and you know you've been lucky with the injuries and you can just kind of wait for that like big player so does it make it a little more complicated that the moves have been staggered a little bit because Quintana was in a totally separate fab cycle and now Martinez is in his own cycle and now you're going to have the moves that come up later this week in the next one so does, does that complicate mm-hmm. the equation a little bit for you when you're looking at this um for me it doesn't and well, but just from a general people... standpoint right it, it's it's not all condensed in, in one you know four well, hour period at the deadline you know well, what i mean well you know what let, let me defer to dj because you know i i he is our guest so dj i i know that do you play mostly in mixed leagues as opposed to onlys or do you do some onlys uh, I play an NL only, but it's a score sheet league, so that's oh, yeah, that's, uh, right. that's a whole other thing. <laughs> okay, so you don't really have the the fab like league like interleague trading experience, I guess. I, I've done that before, but I, I've I've bailed on on those leagues. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of tough. So I, I would say that you know my strategy and Derek's strategy, we we kind of bid like there was no tomorrow. Um, you know, I I know a better example if you go down the line. I think where people waited, it's it's the Sean Doolittle, Ryan Madsen examples. So, you know, this week, because they came over on Sunday, but but Tout has a rule where there's like a 24-hour cooling off period. You know, it kind of makes sense. Like if if there's a trade on a Sunday, like if something happens at 11 p.m., it's not really fair to like just let, you know, the one person online who's still awake take advantage. Right. So... You know, Sean Doolittle went for 375 and 
uh, almost all of I think it was Lenny Melnick's money. And you know, Madsen went for two thirty-seven to Gardner, but that's kind of an example of where people drew the line and they were like, "Well, you know, Sean Doolittle has two saves, but I'm not going to blow the bank on him, even if even though if if he is the closer on a great team." and could get the saves the rest of the way with, with a really good ERA and whip, you know, cause that's what he's been doing all year. So to answer your question, George, you know, for a player like Martinez or, or Quintana who maybe aren't quite elite, but might very well be the best players to come over you bid for that next level down, like a, like a closer, like Doolittle, but he might not be the closer all year. You kind of hang, hang back. What, what I found interesting, uh, Andy Barons of Yahoo put a big bid on Antonio Sanzatella I, I feel like there was some anxiousness there where the idea was, well, I'm not going to win anyway. Like I don't have, I don't have enough money or I'm sixth or seventh in the pecking order. And, you know, he was even lower. I'm just going to get the guy I want now. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so DJ, who are some of the names that you're keeping an eye on? Because you obviously have your, you know, uh, well, I'd say ear to the, to the ground, but <laughs> you're probably face glued to Twitter. Um, who, yeah. who who are some of the names that that you're watching about? Uh, you're watching that you anticipate being moved within the next couple of days. Here, you know, there's the obvious examples. Um, you know, like the like Mike mentioned, Sonny Gray, Yonder Alonso, you Darvish could potentially be on the move. Uh, but who, who are some of the names that you're keeping a close eye on that uh, uh, fantasy owners should be as well? Well, I'm a Mets fan, so that shouldn't be a surprise if you follow me on Twitter. So. Uh, we know they're trying to move some guys, Addison Reed, um, and I think he's probably attracting the most interest of any player on the Mets, no surprise there. Um, so, I mean, that's obviously something to pay attention to for fantasy owners. Where he ends up next, he might not be a closer, uh, might end up in a setup role, so that's something to keep in mind. I saw something interesting, actually, just right before jumping on with you guys. Uh, the, the Rockies have interest in Jonathan Lucroy, uh, which, obviously, he's had a really terrible year, but you think about him in Coors Field, uh, definitely a chance that he can finish finish strong down the stretch. So I think that's something interesting to keep an eye on if you're in an NL-only league. Uh, and obviously, Sonny Gray, you Darvish, I'll be watching that. I feel like I've, uh, when I do my news shifts on Roto World, I feel like half of them right now about Sonny Gray or you Darvish, whether they're going to be traded or not, which teams are interested. Uh, so definitely tracking those guys as much as possible. Mike, uh, who's the guy that you're paying close attention to? Because um, I'll give you mine here in a minute. But uh, who's the name that you're keeping an eye on that you think could really be impacted by a trade here? Well, the the player I, I think might get traded. I don't know how much of a fantasy impact he'll have because he'll probably set up. Uh, but Brad, Brad Hand, mm. uh, you know, the, the Padres bullpen was pretty much emptied or a couple guys moved to the Royals. So it's that question for me. If Han gets traded, he'll probably set up uh, because just about every team that that's looking at relief uh, has a closer, at least among the contenders. Uh, it, you know, if Han stays in San Diego, you know, obviously his value really spikes because he's been really good this year. And I, I know there's still some talk of how Carter Caps could come back, but no. <laughs> it, it, you know, if, if Han isn't moved, he, he's I mean he's already really good. But add some saves to that, and you're you're looking at a best like middle reliever this side of Felipe Rivera this year. Yeah, I had to write up the transaction analysis for that uh, Kansas City and San Diego trade, and it's like it, it just feels inevitable that Brad Hand, given the, the market for elite left-handed relief pitching, and just 
his value can't possibly get any higher than it is given his performance. So it, it just kind of feels like a matter of time before he's on the move. And um, DJ, I, I like Kirby Yates uh, in that situation. By the way, he's yeah. been he's been good so far. Do you do you like Yates as well? I do, I do. It's actually really shocking if you if you look at the numbers he's posted since being in San Diego. I think he has a sub two ERA. Uh, I think he, if you go by swinging strike percentage, he's a top five among relievers. It's ridiculous. Uh, I've seen there's a little bit of a velocity spike, uh, but I haven't had a chance to really watch him that much. But I mean, you know, this is a guy who kind of. I, be- I believe the Angels designated him for assignment in April. <laughs> they did, uh, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's been great. Uh, the Padre- Padres recently called up Phil Maton, so he's another guy to keep an eye on. He's been pretty good since being called up. He was a, tr- he was a closer with AAA El Paso. Uh, so another name to keep an eye on in that situation. Yeah, Maton's 24. I know they really like him. But Yates, like you, you mentioned uh, the strikeout rate. He's up over 13 per nine. He is a uh, – I was looking at the BP pitch FX leaderboards. Mike and I have been touting him now. It feels like we talk about him on every show. This might be a okay, segment. Good. But his swinging <laughs> strike rate on his fastball is like 40%. Um, wow. It's like up there with, you know, Kimbrell and guys like that. So – uh, just to give you an idea of how good Kirby Yates is, if you're in a deep league, like that's a speculative pickup I would be making this week. Um, the, the situation, I'll ask you guys for your favorite, like um, sort of off the radar player that you think uh, maybe has a chance to get dealt. But the, the situation I'm watching, um, not only is, is Zach Britton with the Orioles, but what are the Dodgers do? Because it feels like they have so many assets at the minor league level and, um, on their big league roster, when you look at a guy like Brock Stewart, who's going to start tomorrow on Wednesday, like he's a guy who'd start for most teams at this point. Um, you have guys like Alex Verdugo, Willie Calhoun, Walker Bueller. Like they have so many prospects who are on the cusp of the majors that I want to see where they go. They've been linked to you, Darvish, to Zach Burton, and all these different teams, but. Uh, I, I think what the Dodgers do is really going to have uh, sort of a trickle down effect. And DJ, what's a give me like a random name that you think you know maybe there it's it's a slim possibility, but they could get dealt. Who's a guy like that that you look at who could be on the move? I mean, Jacob Degrom probably is the wow. top guy. I I don't know how much of this is real or if it's just conversation on Mets Twitter about the Astros. Uh, you know, who, we, who we've heard linked to a starter. They obviously have the pieces to pull off a trade like that. Um, so, yeah, I would I would think that would be one where, you know, the Astros could potentially blow them away with an offer and maybe they'd listen to it. That's fascinating. I love that. Um, I wouldn't like it if DeGrom got traded. He's, he's fantastic, and that would be bad for Mets fans. But, um, Mike, who's a guy for you that um, you think could get dealt that would be pretty shocking? Well, the the big blockbuster would be Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, uh, there there's yeah. been some buzz around that, and you know, kind of like DJ, that there's some buzz here in Philly, and I I can't really tell how much of it is just the reporters here, and, and the radio guys here in particular talking it up, versus any kind of reality. Uh, you know, Matt Klintak has has made one trade in the last year and a half, and you know any trades he makes at the deadline, you know Pat Neshek will probably go for sure. The problem for the the Phillies have is a lot of their other major league pieces are, are not enticing to say the least. So if he was going to empty the farm out and you know make a deal 
you know, uh, six of Sanchez won't get dealt. But beyond that, like if he was going to make a, a big deal for somebody and kind of tell the fans, like, look, you know, we know we're not going to win in two or three years, but this is a sign that we're here and, and we're ready to, to contend. I don't see it. You know, I, I asked Craig Mish of Sirius, who's in the Florida market, if he had heard about that down there the other way. And what he told me was he's like, well, you know, I, I, I believe the sources in Philly, you know, and the people, you know, who are talking about legitimate people, but I haven't heard that on this end down here, you know, and, and from what he says, it sounds like a Stanton trade is really unlikely. Yeah. But yeah, you know, but that's a fun thing about the deadline. Like every once in a while there, there is a trade, and I'll probably be another one of these guys. Like, there's a trade that just shocks you, and you're like, "Oh my gosh! Like, I can't believe this guy got moved." And it doesn't happen every year, but that's the excitement of the deadline. Yeah, like uh, DJ brought up, I think Degrom would be that kind of name for me. That'd be like, "Wow! I, I didn't even think he was available." So, you, you'd have to get blown away to move a guy like like him or Stanton. But you know, I would have thought the same thing about Eloy Jimenez. Like, I did not think he was a guy who would get traded. So. I wouldn't rule anything out at this point, um, prospect-wise, you know. So we'll we'll see what happens. It's uh it's gonna be fun. Uh, last topic here I do want to cover, and um, it's about trading away depth because I feel like this is the time of the year where if if you're making a a championship run, you're still at the point where you might have some additional depth and you can look to deal that off dj i want to start with you is that something that you look at uh in a league where you're kind of um eliminating the the extra pieces on your roster for example if i'm you know if i have a league where i have extra depth at catcher like i'm looking to deal that extra catcher you know what i mean something like that yeah i mean i've i've certainly been in those situations even this year uh where i've had an excess of closers yeah. um actually the the deal where uh i believe it was the deal i got robinson cano i traded edwin diaz as part of that deal because i had four closers uh, i had greg holland too obviously he's like leading the world in saves i got lucky with that so you know it's kind of one of those things where like i said from the beginning this is about the numbers it's about the math so at a certain point, you just don't, you don't want to get too attached to the players who, who've done well for you. Uh, and if you could use them and upgrade in other areas, you certainly go for it. Um, I have I have Trey Turner and Yahoo friends and family, and I was I'm way ahead in stolen bases. So at a certain point in the year, I was like, you know, I'm going to wait until maybe, you know, July, right around this time. And then, you know, trade them to upgrade in another area, get a starting pitcher. That obviously didn't work out because Dre Turner's out for a while. But those are the kind of situations you look for when you have an advantage in saves, you have an advantage in steals, um, and try to upgrade in other areas. That's a really good point. Mike, uh, do you find yourself doing that as well at this time of the year? I know you've done it in past years, and we've talked a lot about it on this show, but I, I think it's something worth bringing up because we're not at the point where there's the trade deadline in most leagues. So I think there's still some some time to act here. But is that something you look to do as well? Yeah, I, I I flipped. I I made a trade in labor. I I flipped Masahiro Tanaka for Ken Giles, and I I, I was trying to get saves, you know. And it, it kind of worked out in the weird sense that I, I have Kona Kayla, Kayla, and I was waiting on him, and I just made the decision like, well, you know, if I wait on him and wait on him, he just might not close, and and I might be waiting for nothing. I I wanted to kind of lock in the category, and I looked at it like, well, if Tanaka gets better, that's well and good, but I I. You know, he to me he pitched to about a five or a little under that, and the strikeouts were there. But I was like, well, you know, I'm I'm not gonna lose. And some of that too is the team I traded him to. It was kind of lower in the standings, so 
if he moves up, it's like, well, you know, good for him, but it doesn't really impact me. Yeah, sure. th- this is a good time to to start looking at those kind of moves and looking at your excesses. You know, one thing, DJ, about an, about the only leagues is you seldom tend to have that. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. just much more difficult to, to be in a situation where you have four closers or you have a ridiculous amount of power. So you have to kind of make those decisions. Uh, kind of a follow-up to that, DJ. Have you found, you know, I know you've played in, you know, played in Friends and Family, now you're in Tout. Have you found that the experts are kind of conservative compared to some of the home leagues you're in in terms of trading? You know, that's that's a good point, actually. Um, I actually feel it's, it's probably more active in some of the more casual leagues. I don't know if it's because experts are afraid to make a mistake um, and maybe it'll be publicized a bit more. Um, but I certainly have, have found that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Like I made a trade in CBS AL and it, it has not gone well. And uh, now I'd be a little concerned <laughs> to make another actually, one. You know what I mean? Uh, in so, the, in the, uh, in our dynasty guru experts league, I made a huge trade last year. Um, and I think I, tr- I traded Max Scherzer, Jose Abreu, you know, a couple other guys, just a full out rebuild. I think I got AJ Reed in the deal, Jorge Mateo, like that has not worked out great for me. I did get Ben and I did get Ben and in the deal. So I felt good about that. Um, but it was one of those, like I traded all my veterans for like a whole slew of top prospects. Right. Um, but I think, you know, people are afraid to make mistakes. I think it's in a, in a league where people are watching you. Uh, so I, I think that's definitely the case. I forgot. What I've seen. I forgot we're both in that league, but we, yeah, we we're, we're not on a dynasty podcast. So I didn't bring it up, but that's a, that's a great point. Like I traded like seven people for Victor Robles last year. So, um, that one worked out, but then I traded Tyler glass now for Dan Vogelback. Uh, so that has not worked. Out. <laughs> you just, you just never know. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, so, hey, DJ, um, anything you want to plug before we let you go here? You've been really generous with us. You've, you've given us like an hour here of your time. So uh, what are you working on right now for uh, Roto World and, and NBC Sports that our listeners should go check out? Well, my weekly column is Waiver Wired. It comes out on Thursday. I go through Waiver Wire for mixed leagues, NL only, AL only. So every Thursday, check that out. We have the Roto World Baseball podcast comes out on Fridays. I do a weekly live chat on Tuesdays uh, and the football side of things on Roto World. We have a Roto World uh, football draft guide. So if you're into fantasy football, you should definitely check that out as well. Give us one sleeper for fantasy football. Everybody loves sleepers. I know you have one. Who's your guy? I'm not. a. Honestly, I'm not a football person. So okay. I'm the wrong person to ask. Hey, I'll, I'll, are, you're, I'll, I'll you're def- like me. You're not a football guy. <laughs> I'll defer to Roto Pat. On okay. Twitter at Roto Pat, ask him and he'll help you out. He's also a good baseball follow as well. <laughs> do you do you play fantasy football at all, DJ, or no? I play an NBC Office League, which okay. I actually I actually won last year. Um, but I have yeah, you're no idea. Out on us. Come on, I have you won the I league. Have, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I follow the Roto World football rankings and I won. So that's the that's the best endorsement I could give. Are you a fan of a? Are you a fan of the Ravens since you're from Maryland, or are you not really a fan of anybody? Like, what? What I, do you have a team? I was a huge Washington NFL football fan. Ah, okay. Um, but that has tapered. That has tapered off in recent years. But I'll, I'll still watch their games. I feel like it might be better to have no knowledge at all and go into a, dra- you know, a draft. You know what I mean? Maybe that's maybe that's better. You you have no uh, no biases uh, going right. in. I mean. I'm baseball pretty much 24 seven now. So 
you know, when I get free time, I'm just like watching movies and watching Netflix and stuff like that. Like I've, I've had to block out paying super close attention on their sports. <laughs> well, Hey DJ, thank you so much again for, uh, for joining us. Best of luck surviving the trade deadline. And it's about to be a, a crazy time for you writing up everything. So, uh, best of luck and thanks for coming on. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. All right, so you have a DJ Short. He's a senior baseball writer for NBC Sports and Roto World. You can follow him on Twitter at DJ Short. So that's going to do it for us. We're going to take a quick break, and then Mike and I will come back and wrap up the show. Thank you for listening to episode 143 of Flags Fly Forever. This has been a Baseball Prospectus Fantasy Podcast. Just a reminder, you can read us at BaseballProspectus.com. Mike has his expert fab reviews up there. We have so many call-ups and trade analysis, uh, transaction analysis pieces up there right now with the deadline coming up. It's going to be a busy week for us. Uh, I'm geared up on the caffeine side. Mike, what do you what do you drink for caffeine? Do you drink caffeine at all? Are you a coffee guy? Yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a coffee guy. I used to be a really big coffee guy, but I've I've kind of cut back to like just you know two cups. Good. I have my my Keurig is all fired up. It's uh it's ready to roll. So um, I'm excited. Let's uh let's get some deals done, man. Looking forward to it. Uh, so. You can follow us on Twitter. Mike is at Mike Gianella. I am at George Bissell. That is the best way to get in touch with us if you have a fantasy question any time of the day. If you don't have the bat signal, uh, just hit us up on Twitter. We'll we'll do our best to get back to you. Uh, If you can subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio App, or wherever you get your podcast, that's the best way to support us. We do this every week for free because we love fantasy baseball. And uh, this is, you know, we want to provide the best possible show um so that would help us out tremendously if you could do that i want to thank our guest once again dj short from nbc sports and roto world uh he's great you can follow him on twitter as well at dj short uh he hosts a chat every tuesday if you have fantasy questions uh hit him up there on roto world so mike uh anything else i, I think we're good we, we pretty much covered it all today we ran out of time to talk about kyle lloyd what, what a shame did Cespedes really just hit home run? Yeah, Cespedes uh, just homered off off of Lloyd, and, and I, I think it was Bruce just narrowly missed one. Oh, I got it. We need a uh, we need him to face the Brewers. That way, we can get a Lloyd Braun. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's <the> good. <laughs> Lloyd Braun. All right, <laughs> that's gonna do it. We're done. I'm out of here. Uh, for Mike Giudella, George Bissell. Uh, Say thanks for listening. Brett Sayer, he's coming back next week. He's, uh, yeah, I miss that guy. I, yeah. I forgot about him. Yeah, he's been on hiatus, so we're going to have to pick his brain next week. We'll have a lot to talk about post-trade deadline show coming up next week. So until then, so long, everybody. Bye-bye.
everybody, we're back. You know why? Because we forgot the mailbag segment. So, Mike Gianella here with George Bissell. Uh, whoa, I said that wrong. Uh, George Bissell here with Mike Gianella, and we're going to dive into the mailbag questions that we didn't get to on the show with DJ Short. So, hey, uh, let's do it. Let's talk about the first question here. It's from CJ. He wants to know, in a quality start keeper, Mike, would you rather have Lance McCullers and his injury history or Michael Fulmer and his lack of strikeouts? Interesting question. I The numbers this year tell me Fulmer, but I, I feel like it, you have to go with the upside of McCullers. You know, what kind of makes this tough is because it's quality start, you, you have a better shot or there's a wider gap with Fulmer because you don't need to rely on the wins. But, yeah, I, I think I still want McCullers, and I, I know it's a risk. But if you have a choice between those two pitchers, you're probably not an nail only, and I, I want to take the McCullers risk. I want to pull up Fulmer's player page here because I feel like what it tells me is going to validate something, I believe. Here we go. Fulmer. Okay. There it is. Okay. Here's my here's my thing about Michael Fulmer. All right. I, I don't think the strikeouts matter necessarily. He's given up. He gave up a home run tonight. So that's nine home runs in about 130-something innings this year. Um, his DRA is three so i don't so much care about strikeout rate he's got 51 percent ground ball rate the babib is 272 he's been under 275 each of the last two years like he's pitching in comerica that's a great place to pitch uh i i i just think there's so much less risk with a guy like fulmer right like if you're in a position where you're going to be contending and you need the innings and you need a guy you can rely on, I think I'd lean Fulmer. But I totally understand the argument for for McCullers. Um, this qu- next question is from Max Margolis. He says, Scooter Jeanette is number 14 in weighted on base percentage since June 7th, the day after he hit four home runs in a single game. Please dive in. Thank you. Well... <laughs> Scooter Jeanette. Do we have to care about Scooter Jeanette? Or have we really reached that point? I think we have. I I, I I agree with that. He's been good enough. And he has middle infield eligibility. And, and second base isn't nearly as good as it was last year. You remember coming into the year, everyone talked about, oh, there's so many second basemen. It's a deep position. It's better than third base. It hasn't really played out that way. If you look at, at second base, you know, yeah, you have Altuve, you have Daniel Murphy, you you, you still have the the cast of characters at the top. Chris Taylor, but it really, what? Chris Taylor. Yeah, Chris Taylor, but but it really, who we all expect to do this, but yeah. it it really drops off. And as a result, you know, do do I think Scooter Jet is going to be this good? No, but but that's a great point about his you know about his stats after the the four home run game. This isn't. It, his stats are being buoyed just by that one game. He, he's not a fluke. He's he's done something different to make me believe that he can still be, you know, like a twenty home run guy. Maybe maybe a little bit better than that, particularly in that park. 
And yeah, it sounds really weird, but I, I trust him. And, and the Reds, it sounds like, are at least for us this year, are committed to him over Jose Peraza at second base, or at least as long as, as Gannett continues hitting. All right, he's fine in a redraft. I, I think we have to view it from more of a long-term perspective. When you look at his profile, he doesn't steal bases. He's got two steals in 83 games. He's been caught once. Uh, the batting average, he, he's hitting three thirteen, but like the BABIP is crazy. It's three forty nine. Uh He's never been over, I think, three twenty at any point in his career, really. Um, so he's like at around a 310, 315 career BABIP. So you regress that a little bit. You're probably looking at a guy who's a 280 hitter with, like you said, 20 to 25 home runs. That's basically Jonathan Scope with batting average, right? That's that's what he is. Really yeah, all, yeah right? although the funny thing about that is, you know, while well, Jonathan Scope has a batting average this year, I, I oh, think true. he's hitting – Scope's hitting, what, 308 or, or – three. Scope's hitting something ridiculous right now. I, I haven't committed you, much you time into, you, thinking you, about yeah, it. Yeah, you moved us into a different discussion. Yeah, well, maybe intentionally because, like, Jeanette, fine. Um, but a lot of it's going to depend where he bats, right? He has a lot more counting stat value. Jonathan Scope they... is hitting 304, so I, I Where did I that was... come from? What? I have no idea. What, what's like, his? He had, like, a 300 on base percentage last year. Yeah, he, um... he has a 338 bat, but, Paul, the thing about Scope <laughs> is that 305 last year, but 329 in, in 2015. So that that's not actually as out of line as you expect no but to, to wrap up on Jeanette right if, if they move on from Zach Kozar and Jeanette all of a sudden is batting second every day in front of Joey Votto and Adam Duvall uh, I think he has a lot more fantasy value moving forward but if he's batting like seventh or eighth or whatever you know I, I I'm not as as interested in him going forward but yes you do have to care about uh Scooter Jeanette do we have any other questions did we get I didn't see any, but sometimes you get some that are not. Oh, I got one. Uh, Phil Mendelson wants to know what kind of numbers are you looking at for Brock Stewart the rest of the season? Uh, <laughs> maybe that, that's really that should probably be all you. You're, that is, you're the Stewart that is, believer. That is totally in my lane. Um, well, here's the thing, Brock Stewart. Um, he is not allowed to run this season. Uh, he has thrown 13 innings. He has 10 strikeouts in those 13 innings. What I like about Stewart is, well, the Dodgers' defense, right? Um, he's <laughs> They're, like, number one in defense, park-adjusted defensive efficiency this year. So that's going to help a guy like this over a, a huge sort of sample size. We've already seen it. We, like, why is Alex Wood putting up the numbers he's putting up? Well, he's the best defense in the league behind him, cleaning up the, all those ground balls. So... I like uh, Stewart quite a bit. I, I think in deeper leagues, he's going to have some value. Not a ton of strikeouts, but you know, a strikeout per inning. He's got really good command for a guy who's kind of new to pitching, right? He's he's kind of late to the party there. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's interesting. I don't know whether this is a showcase or not. That's the thing with Stewart for me that I wonder about. Like, Are they starting him tomorrow so a team can get another look at him? Or what... I don't, I don't know, but I'm fascinated by Brock Stewart. I think he could, like, if you were going to the Dodgers and you were going to trade him to the Orioles or Zach Britton, isn't this the type of guy you'd go after if you were the Orioles? Like, he's 25, he's under team control for the next few years. This is the type of guy I'd be going after. So that way I don't have to start Wade Miley, right? 
Well, he, I mean, he's an upgrade at Miley. I, I yeah. don't, I don't know if Stewart by himself is is gonna get you Britain. No, you'd probably have to throw in Alex Verdugo to make that happen. I don't know. That's a thought. I, I don't know either, but I, I, I like Stewart. I'm, I'm not as jazz as as you are, but I, I do like him. I, I do notice there, there's a big spike in his his uh, change uses just this year, which is really intriguing like if he did this over the course of a season he's he story has changed 32 percent of the time yeah that's it's his, it's his best swing and miss pitch i mean yeah i know it's it, it, like even for that though like if, if you go back and look at like like the guys i think of you know i, I know one of these guys like stinks now but james <laughs> shields and cole hamels were, were, were peak like change guys like the guys you'd watch and be like yeah you know they're they, they work off the change they're really good you know in shields's case like when he improved is when with sequencing where it's like okay well yeah your change is great but if you don't know how to sequence them you're done and yeah but, i'm looking at shields shields his first two years was was 34 and 30 percent and then he kind of tailed off but he was still in like the mid to high 20s so, do, you still yeah, have, do you still have Stuart's usage in fr- pitch usage in front of you because i feel like he doesn't really have a good third pitch from when i when i've watched of him i mean he doesn't really throw it in relief he's going out there and throwing two to three innings at a time and you know, it's mostly just fastball changeup. Does he is he yeah, using the third pitch at all? Or? Slider. He's yeah. got a slider that he uses ten percent of the time. Yeah, it's which, it's not great, but uh, yeah. but I'm like guessing a show me. Probably. Yeah, exactly. I, my point on Stewart is, I like the Dodgers are only going to let him face what eighteen batters probably each time. Like he's not going to go more than a handful of innings just because that's how they'd want to use him. Uh, as a starter, but like yeah, I think a, the three or four innings he's going to give you are better than what you're you're going to get throwing a dart with like I don't know Jolie Chassin is my point. You know what I mean? Like I, I think well, there's less. Risk it's there. interesting to say that. So I I was listening to I, I think it was a Towers of Power podcast and and they were going off on I don't remember the pitcher, but they're going off on pitchers going through the lineup like like the fourth time. Oh, it was uh it was Alex Cobb. I think it was. Yeah, the fourth time. They're going off. Like, why? They were going off on like him facing line the fourth time, and 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 the point they made was, you know, unless you're like working on no hitter, or you know, unless you're Clayton Kershaw or Max Scherzer, bringing a reliever, like there's just no good that can come of that. But but a team like the Dodgers, and you're seeing this more and more, like they're they're getting so savvy where it's like, well, you know, unless it's a game that we know we're losing, and 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 the starter's going to eat innings, or unless we're up eight to two and can afford to give up a run or two. They're pulling guys. You're right. They're pulling guys like Stewart out after that third time. Yeah. And it, it really it really makes a difference in terms of value because all you're really getting, unless you get lucky, is you, you it, it's all downhill from there for a lot of pitchers. Like like Adam Wainwright's example on the other end of the spectrum. Adam Wainwright this year, he he's a guy who, well, he has some nights he doesn't have it, but then there's nights where he has it, and you see him clearly get tired. Yeah. The third time through. The, and the Cardinals have done this a bunch of times. They did it with Mike Leake. Remember the Kyle Schwarber grand slam? Like there was no yeah. way Mike Leake should have still been in that game. It was ridiculous. And I, yeah, and, yeah, and Dave Roberts is good at this. And there's there's a couple other managers out there good good at this. They're really good at recognizing like well, some pitchers and a lot of pitchers like twice through the lineup they're fine. Yeah, I, I have third, this issue. The third time, it's like, yeah, like you're 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 playing with fire. Right. It's just a numbers game. It's just like simple math at this point. Like this is my gripe with with uh, the way the Brewers handle Jimmy Nelson too. Like you saw it the other day. I think it was in his start against Philly. Like 
they brought him out for the seventh, and it was like third or fourth time. It might have been the fourth time through the order, and like he gave up a, a game tying home run to Odubel Herrera, and it's like, well, you you didn't have to, like you you had Oliver Drake ready to go. Like, why wouldn't you just use him? I uh, I don't. That's that's a that's a good point. I I like progressive teams that are smart about using their pitchers that way because then they. They avoid these huge blow-up innings that uh, can really do some damage. All right, that's it. Uh, we're done. There's, there's enough mailback questions. If you have one for next week, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Brett will be back. Mike will be back. I'll be here as well. So uh, until our next show, see you, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>